Let us worship God. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, Be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
Good morning. My name is Katie Evanbeck, and this is my third time being invited to join you here at 7th Avenue Presbyterian and the Episcopal Church that would make me an official member. <laughs> Kidding aside, um, I serve as the deacon at um, Ascension Episcopal Church in Vallejo, and I live in Roseland, um, and I'm the executive director of Congregation Shomri Torah. We're a progressive reform synagogue in Santa Rosa. So yes, there's lots for us to talk about at coffee hour today. I wanted to introduce my family. Uh, my partner is here, EK. He's also a graduate from the San Francisco Theological Seminary. Woo, shout out to you. And Lucy, my daughter, and uh, one of her best friends, Ivy, are here with us this morning. So thanks, fam, for showing up. Um, I moved this uh, in April, a year and a half ago in April, and I moved from St. Dorothy's Rest, which is an Episcopal camp, and retreat center where I was privileged to serve for almost 18 years as the executive director. And St. Dorothy's Rest um, is right down the street from Westminster Woods, our Presbyterian sister organization, and is located in the Redwoods. So I moved from this forest context to a townhome community, and it was quite a transition. But one of the things I love about my new neighborhood is actual neighbors. It's been over a year, and I've become familiar to over a dozen children on our block. They wave, they invite me to draw with chalk, and several months ago when we had a 3.8 earthquake, we all poured out of our individual units onto the street. We smiled, we reassured, and we went on our way. So fast forward to uh, three weeks ago, six of my neighbors Ding dong ditched me. Yeah, you heard me. If you don't know what this is, they came, they ran, rang my doorbell, and by the time I opened the door, no one was there. I heard giggles, and I walked out the door with no shoes on, and I noticed that on the corner stood six kiddos in a straight line as if they were hiding against an invisible wall but in plain sight. I asked, did you just ring my doorbell? And I heard a unanimous no, and a few even shook their heads from side to side. So next week is Halloween, and I have quite a conundrum. I've brought and bought a lot of candy, and I've also purchased six toothbrushes. So when the kiddos ring my doorbell again, and they will, do I trick or do I treat? More about that later. I love Halloween, and I actually think that it might be my daughter Lucy's favorite holiday. My favorite Halloween costume of my childhood was the Get in Shape Girl. I'll say that twice for those in the back. The Get in Shape Girl. Imagine a jazzercise or Zumba instructor with neon pink leg warmers, wrist guards, and a matching headband. You see, I loved to dance as a kid. And for this particular Halloween, I felt the freedom to dance my way through the neighborhood, uninhibited, going door to door saying, trick or treat. 
While the candy seemed like the real mission of my outing, underlying this Halloween was a daring, voyeurist night where I dared to show parts of myself that was so often hidden from my neighbors. Do any of you remember trick-or-treating? Maybe a favorite costume comes to mind. What was it? Anybody care to share? You were a television. I love that. A robot. Super. A mummy wrapped in toilet paper head to toe. And when we imagine those favorite costumes, how did it make you feel? Even thinking about it now. Today's gospel actually resonates for me as a great setup, this trick or treat. Jesus sets the scene, two people praying. One person looks around, prays, hey, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of my income. The other person, the tax collector, dude number one, refers to, standing far off, not even looking up at heaven, but saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus, we have to remember, is talking to people who think they have this whole thing figured out in living and worshiping God. Sound familiar? The gospel begins, Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Imagine how they must have felt hearing this story and how it was set up. To hear Jesus call them out by relating them to the person that judges others. Now, Jesus, their rabbi, their teacher, is stating that they are the ones who don't get it. I don't know about your neighborhoods growing up, if you trick-or-treated, but in mine, I remember ringing the doorbell only to be greeted by the town dentist. I do. And I remember he passed out toothbrushes. This parable reminds me of that punch-in-the-gut feeling, similar to what those listening to the story must have experienced. The thing about Halloween is it invites you and me, mostly kiddos, to try on new parts of ourselves. For one night, we become the princess, the skeleton, the television, the robot, the mummy, the get-in-shape girl, the ghost, the witch. Edie J. Smith, in his book, Halloween, Hallowed is Thy Name, offers a religious perspective to wearing costumes, suggesting that by dressing up as creatures who at one time may have caused us to fear and tremble, 
we poke fun. Today's parable pushes me, challenges me to think about being a Christian as a costume. And that church, like Halloween, can be a place where we get to try on new parts of ourselves. And sometimes, sometimes we're going to be like the people Jesus calls out and says, nope, not what God is about. Try again. Other times, other times we get it right. I've been thinking a lot about that grudge I've been holding against my next-door neighbors. They are children. But honestly, I'm hurt. Not because they rang my doorbell and ran. I'm hurt because they lied. And to be honest, I'm mostly disappointed not in them, but that I got it wrong. My response. I have not loved my neighbors as I love myself. And though I brush and floss daily, when my neighbors surely come to ring my door this Halloween, I now will greet them with love and candy. Amy Odin is a professor of early church history and spirituality at St. Paul School of Theology in Oklahoma City. And she states in referencing the Gospel of Luke that we find here strong ties to the law of Moses. Jesus is the teacher, bringing familiar lessons from Jewish teachings to Jesus' own ministry. As Jesus instructs the disciples in the demands of Jesus following life, Jesus neither erases nor discounts the teachings of the law. Jesus uses familiar, perhaps too familiar teachings to intensify and radicalize the listener, extending those teachings into almost every aspect of their and our lives. Odin continues, it is one thing to behave right. It's another thing for one's heart to be oriented towards love. It is one thing to behave right, and it's another thing to have one's heart orient towards love. She continues, it is easier to keep the commandment against murder than it is to avoid anger in one's heart. Jesus shifts our attention from particular behaviors to avoid, like we hear in the parable, that person, that person, that person, to particular interior orientations we must cultivate. This is kind of like that Jesus moment of stay in your lane. The interior orientation Jesus calls each of us towards is love. In all that Jesus did and all that we do, asking ourselves, is this loving? Is my language, my tone, my actions from a place of love? I wonder how our lives, our communities, my neighborhood, our world would be different if we operated from that interior orientation of love, that freedom 
to dance down our streets and show up truly as we are. I don't think Jesus wondered. Jesus knew. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the push for me today, similar to that younger Katie who dressed up as the get-in-shape girl dance instructor, is while I have experienced freedom on that Halloween in expressing real and vulnerable parts of myself, so too the church can and should be a place where we all experience that freedom. But is it? The trick for us is sustaining that freedom here and outside of these walls. The treat for us is that God loves, accepts, and welcomes us no matter what as we try. Gracious God, you name us holy and beloved and long for us to receive these names. When we do, we offer thanks. When we don't, forgive us. Give us a humble trust to rely on you for all in life, that we may delight in your ways and follow in your truth. In the name of the Christ, we pray. Amen.
as we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God. Oh, yes, I know. 
Let us pray. Holy One, you have fed us in word, in silence, in song, and in community. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. Go forth and embrace the hidden parts of yourself. And in that embracing, be freed in love. And may the grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love, be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen.